Today, our guest on To Win the Many is Dr. Jeff Riley. Dr. Riley is the Associate Dean of Graduate Studies. He also teaches ethics at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Good to have you, Dr. Riley. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Man, yeah. I'm excited for uh, for all of the ways that this conversation could go uh, during <laughs> our time here. Uh, let's start off with, I still remember being a student in your ethics class uh, your definition of ethics was very formative and, in a lot of ways, transformative for me. Uh, I have used it, as I was telling you, I've used it numerous times all over the place. Uh, I have given you credit, but my assumption is since I'm doing that publicly today, I no longer have to give you credit for it, right? Is it going to be out there enough to where I don't have sure, to give you credit? Sure, it's general knowledge now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's just one word. Yes, yes. So tell us, definition of ethics. Well, I, I think uh, just a simple word. To, to hang your ethics hat on is oughtness. And of course, you expand that into you know what we ought to do, but also who we ought to be. So ethics is as much about, uh, about our practices as it is about our character. So character and virtue are very much important, but also uh, character and virtue that is not seen in what we say and do is, is, is hidden and therefore doesn't transform the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. Character and virtue. Now, that that's something that was talked about. We're going all the way back to the classics and the, mm-hmm. the classicists, for that matter. Talking about character and virtue, obviously, we as believers, we talk about that in, in different ways, I, I, I would say. We now find ourselves in a cultural context um, to where there doesn't seem to be a basis or a framework for ethics and morals. Um, in our in our current climate, you and I, we could sit here for days, and and I could bring up an ethical issue or an ethical dilemma. I could put it before you, and then you could walk us through that. But for our purpose, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> for our purposes, we're thinking uh, church leaders, pastors, uh, ministers serving. And they will have all of these questions and various TikTok videos shown to them and say, well, what do you have to say to that, right? Mm-hmm. So let's back up all the way to just the foundational level. Um, where do we start for building a framework for ethics and morality? Well, we, we start with, with Scripture. We start with God. We start with Christ Jesus. We, we start with our, our theology, really, and, and because our theology is what grounds us in the first place. And, uh, and so we go to those important passages that really establish our theology. So Genesis 1 and 2, the theology of creation, what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God. You know, who is God as creator? Who are we? Uh, Genesis 3, the fall, uh, and then all the implications following that of the fall and the, and, and, and the, the redemptive purposes of God are, are brought into this. So our, our ethic is driven very much by the narrative arc that we find in Scripture that includes uh, the fact that we are created, created beings, we're loved by God, uh, we're fallen, we're in rebellion, and our rebellion breaks us in, in so many ways. And uh, and but God is redeeming us, and we see that storyline throughout the scriptures, and that's that's part of our our ethical storyline as well. And so our character then is primarily found in the character of Christ Jesus, who has displayed for us what it means to truly be human and be human in right relationship with God. Uh, we use the language, the virtuous language we use, is captured by. 
uh, by the, the, the gifts of the Spirit of God. So what does it mean to be a person who loves as God loves, uh, a husband who loves his wife as Christ loves the church, yeah. a person who is able to love not only a neighbor and demonstrate in very clear ways, but also love our enemies. So we, we can start with love and we can move to joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And uh, this establishes the character of who we are. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I also think it's primarily what people want. And uh, so they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Johnny and Paycheck, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and seeking peace and in, 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 in ways that, that don't display, uh, you know, the full character and nature of God. So mm. I think that's where we start. Yeah, that's, that, that's also powerful because in that we have a connection with an apologetic uh, to our ethics, sure, meaning sure, yeah. we're, we're demonstrating and living a life uh, of virtue – and people yearn for that virtue, uh, and we found it in Christ, and they can see that we found it in Christ and, and also find it for themselves, right? Right, right. Now, it goes beyond that, too. Uh, I, you know, the, the longer definition I have begins with the, you know, the integration of character and conduct where, and the integrity of who we are matches what we do. And so we have a lot of, uh, of instruction uh, God does give commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, God does give us uh, a, a, a view of what normative behaviors are. God does tell us what we ought not to do, who we ought not to be. And so so it's not that we're just uh, you know trying to work it out on the basis of who we are in Christ Jesus, but we're also given by Christ Jesus commandment and by the by God himself commandment about uh, his expectations for what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. Yeah. So with that said, uh, inevitably these conversations go to the Old Testament. Um, yeah. So in the Old Testament, we look at commands, right? And uh, we have commands about sexuality uh, and what is right and then what is perversion of 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 God-designed sexuality. So a mm-hmm. perversion would be homosexuality, right? There yeah. are those who we – they would look at a commandment where God is condemning homosexuality, uh, and then they would look at, at a command that is uh, that is condemning getting a tattoo, uh, and yeah, they would put yeah. those on the same plane. So what do we do when we're looking at Old Testament laws, Old Testament commands? How do we approach those from an ethical perspective or an interpretive and ethical yeah. perspective? Well, you know, as as Christians, we we're going to approach them, or we're going to we're going to view them through the lenses of of the person and work of Christ Jesus. Uh, I think we that doesn't mean we're not trying to look into the, the backgrounds of text and understand the text in light of where it is. We do that too, but I think the place we start in thinking about the Old Testament. And the moral claims that the, the, a law might or might not have on us is to try to understand what Jesus meant in Matthew five when he says, "You know, I'm not come to condemn the law, mm-hmm. but to fulfill it." Yeah. So there's something transformative about the new covenant. There's something transformative about how Jesus is, teaches us to read our scripture, the Old Testament scripture. We also need to be reminded that 
the Old Testament is our scripture. It's, that's what Jesus was referring to when he spoke of scripture. That's what Paul was referring to when he spoke of scripture as being living and active. You know, it's uh, in the author of Hebrews, living and active, sharpening a double, yeah. two-edged sword. Uh, the scripture is, is able to transform us. So we're, we don't want to give that away, but we have to rightly handle it, the word of truth, yeah. right? So the law is complicated, and it can be. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it can I be think a challenge. Sometimes to read. we just communicate. Oh, it's simple yeah. to understand. Well, you know, so. Peter said Paul is complicated. <laughs> yeah, and we would so, amen that too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what we need then is we need we need help. So yeah, we 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 do need to, and that's why we bring you in, right? That's well, not <laughs> not help from me. That, well, oh, okay, okay. That's part right. of that's part of the role God has given me. Yes, yes. we need one another. We need community uh, to rightly handle the word of truth. We but we also need the 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 presence of the Spirit of God, yeah. uh, who enlivens the word of God for us. And and so I, you know, I would tell a pastor, uh, you know, the most important ethical thing you can do is is walk with integrity and follow the Lord mm-hmm. and uh, put to death your flesh and walk in the Spirit of God and then read the Old Testament. Amen. And uh, and see that's and, good. and read it closely. That's good advice. That's good wisdom. Now, you might think I'm trying to avoid the question. Uh, no. But I'm just setting the, the, yeah. the context for thinking about uh, the Old Testament law. There are a lot of good books, you know, to help us. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the work, for example, of uh, of Christopher Wright, and uh, he's got several books on the Old Testament. And uh, you know, one thing that that a lot of Old Testament scholars will do is is in reading the law is try to understand what the law was intended to do for the people of Israel, mm-hmm. and that's an important question. Uh, you know, what's the function of the law? And I think that's an important question for the interpreter. We're looking for a function, and and then that helps us to understand how that law might lay claim on us in the New Testament. And so there are – but there are those who say, you know, using categories like I'm about to suggest is anachronistic. They were doing something that would not have been understood by uh, ancient Israel, but but uh, I think the ancient Israelites understood the function of the law, and that's that's all that I think we're trying to do by saying, you know, some law is criminal law, some law is civil law, mm-hmm. for example, and you know that's just a basic distinction. Yeah. That's a distinction that we make here mm-hmm. now. I've served on juries in criminal court. I've served on juries in civil court. They don't meet in the same place. They're not dealing with the same kinds of issues. And the same is true in Old Testament law. We can also divide them up in the sense of those laws that are moral in nature, what the philosophers have called apodictic. They're straightforward laws that, that are given more in general terms and, 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 and are applicable in the same way across time, across cultures. Now, where we see that is in how the Old Testament and the New Testament might agree on certain laws. Mm-hmm. Like, I would argue, the issue of, uh, of the practice of homosexuality. Yeah. So with that, you go into, you know, you mentioned uh, homosexuality, you mentioned uh, 
you mentioned tattoos, for example. Yeah, so yeah. to deal with both of those, we'd go to Leviticus uh, 18, 19, and 20. That's where all, all of this is found. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of it, but this is where it's, it's dealt with in the Old Testament law. An important distinction is uh, another important distinction before looking at that would be that, that some of the law and much of the law in the Old Testament is given with qualifications. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, Israelites are to make uh, and judges within Israel are to judge on particular cases, particular judgments are being made. Those particular judgments are based on uh, given law, often moral law, or ceremonial law, or uh, law that regulates a family, or law that regulates uh, uh, the basic economics, uh, the the basic ways that uh, that neighbor. Uh, relates to neighbor, and they're all different functions. They might have a connection to us, but we might not see that directly in the way the law is given because it's given with a qualification. If you do this, then this will happen. That's a particular judgment. It lays cl- specific claim on those living in ancient Israel. It doesn't necessarily lay claim in that way on us. And so what we're looking for is a, a rule or a norm or a principle that undergirds the particular judgment, and it's that rule or norm that might lay claim on us. Now, we see this, I think, very clearly in uh, – we'll take the issue of men having sex with men. The mm-hmm. uh, Bible commonly translates that as homosexuality. Well, the first law that we see about that – is in is in Leviticus chapter eighteen, where a series of laws are given, in which God says, "This is the way the people acted in Egypt." Yeah, and I, you know, part of the Exodus was God's judgment on Egypt, and this is the way the people are acting in the land to which you're going. You are not to act this way, and they're given pretty they're given straightforward without penalty. And one of those is you should not lie with a man as a man lies with another man. This is an abomination. It's just left at that. Don't do this. You jump over chapter 19 into chapter 20, and then you have what is we would call a particular judgment. In other words, there's a conditional put on that, that law. If a man lies with a man, as a man lies with a woman, and I'll read it here, is a detestable act, they shall surely be put to death. Now, you quote that in a conversation about human sexuality in our culture, and, you know, the response is, well, are you going to go out and start stoning? Yeah, it uh, won't go uh, well. <laughs> gays to death, yeah. and that, that is not what we're going to do. Yeah. If we were in ancient Israel, it would be what would happen. But that's a particular judgment in ancient mm-hmm. Israel. The law itself, though, the practice of men having sex with men and women having sex with women, as Paul would put it in Romans chapter 1, uh, does carry forward as something that is, is a sin, a sin against God. But now, as those who are on this side of Jesus fulfilling the law, we know that this, our sins have been dealt with severely on mm-hmm. the cross, 
And so where we would uh, take someone who is in this practice, who wants to walk in a way that pleases God, we would take them to the cross. Yeah. And say, this is where it's dealt with. This is where life is found. We would take them to the resurrection, and we would speak to them about what it means to live in a way that pleases God. Mm. And so that's one way that 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 law actually carries claim on us. It's reiterated, which gives us, you know, if we look across the full narrative of the scriptures, the same, you know, God's opinion about it is the same all the way across. Mm But the penalty is dealt with differently in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah, that's so good the way you put it, too, because when we're talking about homosexuality, we're talking about it in the context of sin. And -hmm. where we are now is we're talking about the fact that God has done something about this punishment for sin. Yeah, And it's very serious. We can't just dismiss it. If God says it's sin, we don't have the right to right. to argue with him, and we recognize the seriousness in that because of the punishment, but we also recognize the seriousness of God's love for us in that he died paying that punishment for sin, one of which is homosexuality. Right, right. There are obviously a, a whole lot of others within that as well, yeah, yeah. but we see God's justice and we see God's love. And I think it's important as we're talking about ethics, and that's that's why this is such a good conversation, because we can't dismiss the sin aspect of it because that inevitably weakens the grace aspect of it. If we recognize there's a right and a wrong, there's a moral and an immoral, if God says that it's wrong and we do that thing, there is still judgment and punishment. But praise God, Jesus has has taken care of that punishment for us. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's such a powerful picture. Are you an NOBTS or Level College alum? If so, consider joining our brand new Alumni Association. Inside, you'll be able to connect with alum from all over the world. You'll be able to audit classes for free, and you'll be the first in line for a long list of other goodies. To get started, visit us nobts.edu slash alumni. Now, connect for us the the tattoo. What do we do no, with a tattoo in light tattoo, of that? Well, we'd have to because back it clearly up. is different, yeah, right? We'd have to back up into and these are Leviticus examples. 19. Yeah, yeah this, these, are these are examples. examples. In fact, if you read Leviticus 19, which is a, which is a very important uh, chapter in the Holiness Code, it is in some some uh, see it as the probably the the fulcrum of the, the code, even mm-hmm. though it's not in the middle, but it's the fulcrum. You 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 read through it, and you're, you you'll see uh, a reiteration of uh, some of the Ten Commandments. You you see an expression of uh, you know one of the compassion laws, uh, the law of gleaning. Uh, you find in in the same chapter uh, the second of the great commandment love love your neighbor as yourself. This is all in Leviticus 19, and then you come into you continue reading, and you come to this passage uh, in which which we have the tattoo. And I, I remember as a as a as a youth director, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, working in, in Auburn, Alabama. 
uh, going to an event and, and, uh, and there were questions. Youth were asking questions. Now, my age, y'all can't see me, but I'm gray-headed. <laughs> and tattoos is what, you know, the rowdy bunch did, the, those who were in rebellion. Yeah, those were of the devil. Oh, huh? yeah. And, and so I've, I've heard that, you know, the, the law says thou shalt not get a tattoo. Yeah. And the law also says don't wear a cotton polyester blend shirt, but that, you know, we sometimes miss that. But that's the kind of argument that's made when we start talking about the law. Yes, it is. is, is and, and so what we have to do is we're not trying to cut any of the law out. Mm. It's still our scripture. We're trying to understand it yeah. and see how does it lay claim on us. And so um, – so you come to, to that passage, it's in Leviticus 19, it, verse 26 is the, is, the, is the immediate context. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor practice divination, nor soothsaying. You shall not round off the side growth of your heads, nor harm the edges of your beard. And, and everyone in here has beards, and we've, we've broke that law, haven't yeah. we? And... Um, not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. So the context is is idolatrous practices. Uh, said another way, you shall not you shall not do anything that is attached to uh, the idolatrous practices of the people which you are engaging uh, in in as the people of, in, of Israel. And so this that the tattooing is directly related here to idolatrous practices. And so to make a one-to-one claim that, that this means you can't go down to a tattoo parlor, and please don't say that Dr. Riley said you can go get <laughs> Yeah, I can see where to. this is going. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, and have I love mom put on your arm or something, then that's, that's probably not going to be breaking this particular law. We know it's connected to worship because of the way that the text actually sets it apart. The last, the last uh, clause in verse 25 is, I am the Lord your God. And then the end, the last clause I read here is, I am the Lord. In other words, there's a bracketing off of this passage. So everything between those, those brackets has, is talking about the same kind of activity. So we know it's idolatry. We know it's a practice tied to the worship of of false gods and so uh I, what we can what does lay claim on the, us is that we ought not to do anything that is tied directly to the practice of false gods so that we're misunderstood in our living mm. i think that is that's important yeah and to the young people who who might want to have a reason to go get it a tattoo and they want to go to this kind of passage and say, well, it doesn't say that, I generally take them to the Ten Commandments and, and take them to the commandment, honor your mother and father. In other mm. words, what do your mom and dad say and would it honor them for you to do this? Yeah, That's pretty clear. And if and it would be dishonoring to them if they said, we don't want you to do this. It's not right uh, in, in our eyes. And so, um, so there are ways to deal with, with tattooing. Now, tattooing back in my day is a lot different than now, so, yeah. so you probably have a tattoo. I don't. don't I don't okay, actually have checking. a tattoo. It is assumed often that I have a tattoo, <laughs> no, no. but I don't, yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, I think it's important as we're talking about – I think it's important to have these conversations. We're talking about two passages in close proximity right. that are commands of God, 
And uh, I think what we're finding in, um, I want to say, quote unquote, Christian circles, meaning folks who are claiming they're, they're at least nominal Christians, right? And so they do this false equivocation and some of these commands, but the intention is not honorable. It's not to really understand Scripture. It's an intention of dismissing, dismissing the commands of God. That, and it's really the commands of God they don't like oftentimes, right? Right, right. Are, are we going to dismiss chapter 19, you know, verse 18, love your neighbor? Yeah, yeah. And and so there's that that desire to dismiss those laws that uh, that they don't prefer to carry out and practice in their lives. And so I, I appreciate um, us being able to deal with these not difficult passages. They they can be controversial because of what we make them um, in our in our own understanding and interpretations. Um, as we talk through ethics. Um, one of the obviously the key areas of discussion is is just the image of God mm-hmm. and the connection of that um, to our ethical approaches, our approaches to morality. Uh, what does the fact that we are made in God's image? How does that affect our ethical framework? Because we we know who we are based on who God is, right? And then who He's made us. Uh, and this is a uh, man. We could talk for days on this, I know, but just at its core, the fact that we're made in God's image and the connection to ethics. Yeah, uh, of course. There's a lot of controversy about you know what is the image of God and and what became of the image after the fall and what becomes of the image of God uh, in the in the atonement and in the the uh, being born again. In those sorts of things, and you know, there's no reason to get caught up in in all of the uh, the controversy at this point. I think the scriptures uh, kind of gives us a little key to to uh, to the implications of the image before we get very far into the story. Obviously, uh, we find in you know in Genesis one that the God created us and He created us male and female created them in his image he created us and so uh, it is very much tied to uh, to the uniqueness of human beings uh, in the created order and and it's tied to uh, to the commandments that are given to human beings to uh, take dominion and uh, to increase and multiply and take dominion is is tied very much to what it means to be God's ambassadors on the earth, and uh, and then it's tied very clo- very directly to what in the world happened in chapter three, mm. and why are we in such a mess that we're in? So it's it's, t- it's all tied to that. It's part of the storyline. The reason I said I think we get some clue as to what the implications of the image is that we don't we don't get very far in. We we come to the uh, to the story uh, just a few chapters in uh, where God says that because everyone's doing what's what's right in their own mm, eyes yeah. uh, god says i'm going to destroy the whole earth yeah. but noah mm. you know and so the story of the flood and in chapter 9 this is after the floods recede and noah uh, comes out with his family releases all the animals and such except the ones that he's going to use to make uh, sacrifice he builds the altar he makes sacrifice and then god makes covenant he he, he uh, makes the, the noadic covenant with him 
one aspect in the Noahic covenant was this this commandment that any any man who takes the life of a man and, and we we would assume that it's type we would understand that in the Ten Commandments as murder mm-hmm. the one who murders uh, forfeits his life and the reason he forfeits his life is because of the image of God and the one that, that, uh, whose life he took. So, of course, that raises a lot of issues about, you know, capital punishment and so forth. But the point here is that the image of God uh, gives to us an idea of the value and the dignity and the work that we've been given by God, even in a fallen world. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we could talk about, you know, this moves us into theological anthropology, uh, the doctrine of humanity, if, if you might call it, and and uh, but it's tied very much to uh, how we relate to God and how we relate to one another, and so that's why the the language of dignity is uh, is often used on issues like abortion, mm-hmm. and that it is the image of God is something in, in fallen and marred and broken as it is is still something inherent to being human. And um, so that we ought to uh, not it, – it opens the way for us to actually love our neighbor and love our enemy <clears throat> because these are image bearers. These are people for whom Christ died. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where it's tied in. And then it, just, it, it, it flows out of our theology into our ethic. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff, Dr. Riley. Uh, I appreciate you uh, helping us with that ethical foundation beginning to think about this we're certainly going to have you back maybe we'll tackle some of those or evade right tackle yeah. or evade well, you know, some of these ethical uh, you issues you didn't really need me because you took my class and you could just <laughs> you could just do this no, right I definitely need you okay. for sure for sure i appreciate you uh thanks for getting us to think about ethical things uh in a way that honors the lord i appreciate you brother thanks Thank for you. joining us thank you appreciate you as well Thanks for listening to To Win the Many, a podcast of the Caskey Center at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. The Caskey Center for Church Excellence provides ministerial resources, including undergraduate and graduate scholarships for ministers serving Southern Baptist churches in Alabama, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, and Wyoming. For access to additional resources or more information about our scholarship opportunities, visit our website at caskeycenter.com or nobts.edu.